that's the the thing. Around everything, I'll, I'll pass. I'll go back. It's the, it's the things we go through for the people to get yeah. them this show week after week after week. They'll never know. They'll never know. They'll never know the troubles that we no. go through from time Shoot, to time. It's just a podcast. They just think they just think it's two dudes sitting <laughs> sitting around just yapping. The production quality of this this program they they don't realize what goes into it. We're not just recording this on our iPhones, which we probably could. Yeah, that we'd suffer a bit in the production quality, but probably wouldn't suffer anywhere else. It's the same same donators would still donate. So I have a lesson learned, an old lesson learned for us. We're learning a lot of lessons these days. I'm learning a lesson. I'm learning a lesson. <laughs> Quit letting James pick topics. No, no, no. No, I had my uh my crown fell out my mouth and I'm in uh I'm in some pain. Oh, dude, that sucks. So I that mean that that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. So it wasn't hurting and then it it just started hurting slowly, sensitive to cold, and then it just turned on full bore. Full bore like tears are going to come out of my eyes and the side of my head I want to blow off. So anyway. I've, I've got one that I don't eat a lot of sweets. I yeah. very rarely eat sweets. Sure. I don't do a lot. I don't do candies you really. don't, no. It's for girls. I mean, for kids, children and girls, not men. It's very couple <laughs> year, <laughs> couple years ago. Take some shit for that, aren't I? <laughs> a couple <laughs> years ago, um, one of the companies, one of the vendors, sent like a little bag of Halloween candies mm-hmm. in in the box with you know like a wet, couple wetsuits or something that we got in because it was around October time. And there's there's this strawberry. Uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Starburst, a strawberry Starburst. Oh, I I, I haven't had a Starburst good, yeah. in thirty years, yeah. probably. You know what yeah. I mean? The strawberry ones are good. And so, so I was like, I'm gonna have a goddamn Starburst. Those, those were my jam when I was a kid. I, oh yeah, man. yeah. So I pop it in, <laughs> bite into it, and out comes yeah, out comes that gold crown. Yeah, like, right into. I'm like, it's the same thing. What? That was the same thing. I don't, I don't think it was. A, I can't even remember what it was. I don't think it was sweets, but anyway, and we, uh, I went to the dentist, and they're like, "Oh, that's that we call those the crown killers, <laughs> king killers." Yeah. Did they just pop it back in? Yeah, yeah they did. Pop it in. and read some wetsuit glue in there and shit. Nice. Yeah. Aqua seal. Aqua sealed it back to my. Well, mine fell out a little while ago, and I, I was like. Nothing. I'll, I'm okay for right now. <laughs> and then uh, I didn't think of it, and it started. The piece of the tooth came out is what the dentist said. Oh, so, so they, had to resh- they had to reshape the whole thing. No, the piece of the tooth, the root inside came out. So they're, uh, I have to go to a, get a root, another root canal. So they can't do anything. So it's still just open right now. There's a, a hole going into my nerve. In my gums right now. You know, the best part of that is the the cooling effect of the air as it comes out of your regulator right across the right across that tooth area. No, it hurts like a mother. Um, Cold, cold will send me. But uh, anyway, Uh, anyway, but uh, Motrin, Motrin will hold it off and Tylenol is holding. Motrin is better than the Tylenol, but they're they are doing something. And. in between those, a uh, little shot of old monk rum will uh, settle the. <laughs> it'll settle the bridge. It'll kill my liver. Is what I will do. Tylenol and booze. I'll. Uh, yeah, you know what's really really does a trick is a uh, uh, minty mouthwash. Oh yeah. It stops the pain for like a half hour. So I've I guzzled up like a gallon so far of uh, Listerine. In the middle of the night, I just get up. Anyway, enough of my tooth. I just thought I would let you know in case you see me dart out of here, to, because my uh, it when it comes, it comes like boom. It's there. I would be driving, and all of a sudden, I, I'm almost crying. 
Oof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rough. Well, hey, this is a story, Brad, no, I have for you today. Hit me. About a little bit of a, speaking of uh, that regulator, kind of misfiring gas across your sore little tooth there. Yeah. Uh, this is about a regulator misfiring, leading to a full-blown rescue underwater from the deep, murky depths of the Atlantic Ocean just off the coast of Maine. Whoa. In the Isle of Shoals. Okay, nice. That's a beautiful. Welcome back to the Great Time Podcast, everybody. Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back. You're here with Sure Shoals Jamesy. <laughs> and uh, Poofless Brando. Actually, I, I, yeah. Anyway, first first tooth problem in a long time. Almost 20 years. Actually, 20 years plus. Yeah. Let's, ta- let's change this to the Great Tooth Podcast, <laughs> and we'll talk about my mouth. <laughs> yeah. This is the uh, Welcome Back to the Great Cavity Podcast. <laughs> I've had four in my life. Four. Four cavities. Yes. That's it. That's pretty 50, good. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't think I've had one you know, since I became an adult when I was a kid. Mm. Mom says, go brush your teeth. And I'm actually in the, in the bathroom eating a, a Laffy Taffy. Yeah, I'm brushing <laughs> my teeth, Mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but since I've become an adult, I, I don't think I've had one. This is about an August day, Brando. This is one of those stories that um, I was I was thinking about as I was reading through it. You know, there's again, there's so many, so many of these stories of divers, mm-hmm. classically trained divers, like you and I were back in the day. Everybody from like the '80s and the '90s and early 2000s. I mean, this is such a typical story of getting a couple buddies together because you have to have a buddy to go diving and you go do you have air well yeah i have air okay let's go 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 hey we should probably turn around (laughs) yeah okay shit let's go ah Uh, now it's more like which way do you go i thought you were leading no i thought you were leading i wasn't paying attention (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. I, I, I've, I've been there. I've been there. You know, I like local lakes out here. Mm-hmm. When I, I remember going out as a teenage kid with, uh, with, with a, just a couple of random dudes. Yeah. You know, met at the dive shop, going out to one of the local lakes. You ever been there before? I've never been there before. Uh, I, I heard it's pretty good. Let's go <laughs> diving. It. Yeah. We go out and uh, you know you're scrambling around eight, ten feet of water like, for forty minutes trying right. to uh, like find the drop off. It gets so late after work, it turns into a night dive right when you find the drop to a 100-foot <laughs> hole. <laughs> drops yeah. out. Everybody's crashing into the bottom. <sighs> ah, what's going on? What's going on? Where'd everybody go? I guess. Yeah. Like, well, it's only 15-foot of is if you're lucky anyway back then. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that was like a, like a normal like weekday dive. Hey, you want to go diving? Yeah, let's go diving. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Random dudes. Just getting, buddied, just getting buddied, just <laughs> getting buddied up with anybody. random dudes. Hey, good to meet you. Let's go diving. Yeah, you want to come out on my pontoon boat? <laughs> <laughs> I'll meet you. Meet you at the state park. Yeah, I'll bring a twelve pack of genuine draft. <laughs> the way you're talking and you're sounding a little seductive. It's not. Uh, it's not doing much for me. <laughs> you need help with that wetsuit? <laughs> yeah. The August day was particularly cloudy with a light wind. The sea was typical, you know, choppy with three to four foot waves. My wife, Joanne, a friend whom we had previously met diving and his partner and I set off to dive the Isle of Shoals off the coast of Maine. Hmm, we're off the coast of Maine. Do you know where the Isle of Shoals is, Jim? It's uh, pretty sure it's uh, off to the east of Maine. Well. Well, good, good. Uh. I'm, uh, I'm no, I'm no geographer, but I'm going to say it's east of the mainland of Maine. <laughs> Don't call me a cartographer or anything, but I, I'm just wondering if it's North Maine, South Maine. Now, this is Richard, written by a uh, Richard Hartford in uh, 1999. He says, "Upon arrival, we anchored in about 35 feet of water." Oh, James! Fr- hey, I hate to. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt you. So it's yeah. really south of Maine. It's what it, what it looks like on this map. Okay. Uh, so Maine is 
it's more running um it's like in the very very southeast corner i think but uh, th maybe this map is wrong because it there was a little red dot now i don't see it there yeah, you know, now that you mentioned it, my my lack of cartography skills. Yeah, Maine, <laughs> Maine is kind of like bordering on the southeast side of the state. Yeah, it is. So it's showing it as just in that, almost at the border there of, uh, was that New Hampshire and Maine? Oh, uh, yeah. New Hampshire is just, just south of yeah. Maine. Yeah, yeah. An island that's actually split between Maine and New Hampshire, and it's Isles of Shoals. Yes, that's what yeah. we're talking about. Isles, Isle of Shoals. So the one, just to give the people an idea where it's at, because I had no, I had never heard of it, and my little was just over there. Well, a few years now, but I did a little stint at um, the naval base up in um, Brunswick, New Brunswick. It's it's an island that's known for its um, Atlantic, North Atlantic lobsters, a certain type of blue-green algae, and out-of-air incidences. Nice. <laughs> now, it's re now you're painting the picture. Now you're painting the picture. Upon arrival, Richard says, we anchored in about 35 feet of water. My friend had remembered a deep cliff he once discovered in this area. We suited up, set our compasses, and went overboard. My wife stayed on the boat to watch the harbor seals. Okay. So the 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 foursome became a threesome. You know, they left somebody on the boat to uh, to attend the the surface activities, which is smart. Some of these stories we've read in the past, you know, we're just everybody goes in, hopefully the boat's there when we come up. <laughs> yeah. But you can never trust those harbor seals. Somebody's got to keep an eye on the harbor well, seals. Well, they'll take off with your boat in a split second. Or just unhook your your mooring. It's like those kingfish taking fins. Those damn kingfish. Harbors, they're all out to get you. Richard says, once we descended into the 30-foot visibility, my friend set a wreck line to the anchor, and off we went. 18 minutes into the dive, we were at 100 feet. My deepest ever. At this point, we checked each other's pressure gauges, and we had between 1,700 and 1,800 PSI. We decided to head back to the boat. My friend handed the wreck line to his partner, started up, and I followed with his partner in the rear taking in the line. This is a common move in a place where you really don't know where you're going. I mean, it's good that these guys are running a line, right? Well, yeah, yeah, as long as they've got some experience with line. Oh, wait, we got to have experience? <laughs> wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to have experience. It's nice. It's right? nice to have. I mean, to jump in the ocean and, and just jump out there with line. Um, I don't know. I'm guessing these guys aren't haven't dived a lot together, so. I mean. Yeah, yeah, they sound very new, but yeah. I mean, so, so it's but pretty still, typical yeah. that. You know, a lot of people get the the assumption out there that you're running a line because you're you're diving on a wreck or you're going into an overhead and you have to have the line. But if you're out in open water, especially out off the Isle of Shoals, out in the open yeah. Atlantic Ocean, miles out, it would behoove you to get back to that anchor line, right? Like you, you don't just want to pop up and yeah. hope that there's not some wild offshore current that's gonna Go zipping you, you know, uh, well, and off to the middle of nowhere. So having a line <laughs> to follow all the way back be can become critical, and even in open water situations, right? Yeah. Well, with four foot, well, you go down. You can go down in four foot seas too, and come up. You know, half hour later, it's six eight footers. They're not going to see your tiny little head there. You, you know, you'll be on the down bob while the boat's on the up bob, kind of thing. So <laughs> right, uh, right. It's it's difficult to see a little a little bobbing head. You know, hopefully they've got surface markers and whatnot. But yeah, a bunch of things can happen. That's why one of those types of dives out in miles offshore, uh, where it is, you know, it's four foot seas at least they said, um, and currents and whatever. 
run a line because that's a, I kind of need to get back to my upline. I need to get back to the boat kind of thing. I can't just pop up and expect the boat to see me. Unless you're staging a fake death or something. Unless you got crime on your mind. In that case, oops. <laughs> now, what if what if these guys were properly had their summer manscaping going on, Brendo? <laughs> well, that changes the game entirely. They're bobbing on the surface with their freshly groomed beach bods. Yeah, no current's gonna grab them then. They're they're slip. They're in the slipstream, man. Right. Well, Manscaped is here to ensure that your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full-body grooming and hygiene products, everybody. Don't be the guy at the beach with the Austin Powers-looking chest hair. If you grew some winter man tits, at least you could do is to make sure that they're hairless this summer. It's time to get ready for a hot guy summer by going to Manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP, everybody. It's not flattering. Yeah, you want to be sleek. Sleek is a greased seal. How's that? Or greased eel. Eel or seal. If you've got the performance (laughs) package 4.0, Brando, you've got that essential lawnmower 4.0 in that wonderful kit. Waterproof, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations for your eel-like eel-ness things. Your slickness, baby. uh, Having the right tools for grooming is essential, divers out there, especially if you're diving off the Isle of Shoals. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Brando, everybody from Great Dive Podcast can get 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. Trim your chesticles, everybody, with the besticles from Manscaped. <laughs> Slippery as the greased eel. At around 75 feet, Brando, Richard says that he bumped into a lobster rope and had to back up and go over the rope. Now, you know what this is like. Like a lot of places where you're, you know, you're trying to run line, but if you're out in open water, the only thing you have really to run line along is the bottom. Right. So you're going to be swimming relatively close to the bottom, which means if anything else is running a couple of feet above you and you're swimming along looking at the bottom where you're trying to lay line or retrieve line, it's easy to get snagged up in something. That's one of the the things that you've got to spend time learning and practicing and getting trained properly on is to have that open awareness that you can remember that you have to see in front of you, below you, above you, all around, and you can't just keep powering through a swim mm-hmm. if you get tangled up in something, right? Right. Yeah, and running line isn't as easy as it may may look or seem. You know, you look at the reel full of line, you know you tie one end off and you swim off. <laughs> But, and, and this is a thing that we commonly see when you're trying to teach this to somebody at a training site like the right. quarry, right, where they're running a line and there's already lines everywhere. So, And the visibility is so good that you don't really need to run line, but you're doing it for the work, you're doing it for the practice. But here's a perfect example where running a line in a training quarry where there's already lines everywhere and you're running your own, to be aware of all that activity going on around you plays a perfect example. Right, yeah. Well, it's one of the things we talk about and, and put to put to the test is your awareness, and this is one of the reasons. I turned around and tugged on the line to warn my friend's buddy. He looked up, and I saw he noticed it. But I also realized that he was going to get his catch bag caught. I tugged on the line again to warn him, and he motioned to me to come to him. Uh-oh. Hey. Hey, 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 hey. Come here a minute. Come here a minute. <laughs> hmm. It seems like a power struggle. I uh I, I remember that one time I was trying to get your attention and you look you looked at me and you gave me the the finger, the come here finger. Come here. <laughs> here we go. And away we go. Hey, time out. Let me go uh Throw something in my mouth here. Do it, do it, do it. Coming up. Hey! 
Are you going diving this weekend? Keep your mask clear with the one, the only, PFAR. The professional's choice. 100% all natural. Reliable clarity. PFAR. Refill daily. Keep your mask clear. Never fear. PFAR with PFAR. Hey, hey, listen, Brandon. Well now that you're back, um, you know, you know, what you could uh, do is is you could take. I got a perfect cure for you. You take a little, you get a little uh, Q-tip, and uh, you put a, you reach it down on the like the top of a bottle of whiskey. You know, a little dab of whiskey, a little, little whiskey, a little dab of whiskey, and then you you pull the Q-tip out, and you take a little. Swig of the whiskey. You, you swish it. You swish it. Uh, you swish it around a little bit, and you drink that. And then you have a little more whiskey, and pretty soon you don't care. You know I mean? But the next day, now you've got a hangover and a toothache. That's why you always leave enough in the <laughs> bottle for a little wake-up shot of whiskey. Come on, are, are you new to this game? I am actually. <laughs> As I reached him. He suddenly flailed and lashed out at me. Remember the guy who said, come here? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Long yeah. Ago, a while yeah, ago. Well, back way back the P- then. Way back before it's the P-Fog vague, commercial. It's a vague memory, but it's, <laughs> it's coming back to me. Remember, he uh, he was trying to help his friend not get his like catch bag like caught on the, all the ropes that they were on. He's like, mm-hmm. hey, watch out for that. And then his friend said, hey, come here, come here. He gets to him. He flails. He Lashes out and guess what, Brando? What he knocked his mask and snorkel off of old Richard's face. Son of. <laughs> so again, now now we we've had the discussion over the years of is it better to always have a buddy, <laughs> even like. <laughs> Knowing like you and I are very yeah. pro dive buddy, right. very pro, even more than a dive buddy, very pro Team. teammate yeah. in the water. Yeah. However, if you had the choice of nobody or a flailing mass knocking off snorkel ripping. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> that's a no brainer, but yeah, nobody. At the, so and that's the big thing that we keep having this contention with is there's got to be a better way to train people to be buddies because just right. forcing somebody to have a buddy in this case, I mean, it's here's where the buddy is actually causing a problem. It's a false Not, false dichotomy, James, is what that is. It's like you either you you either have a buddy and he's an idiot or you have no buddy. So that's that's just giving you two options. It's like our fucking uh, political system. It's a false dichotomy. There's got to be there's more than two possible options that are are good, but we are given only two, like we're a bunch of fucking idiots. So the same thing, the same thing. We there's more than a, there's another option. It's called having a well trained partner, a team member. That's that's the other option that is not spoken of. So that's what I mean by false dichotomy. They, the, the people arguing for solo diving are saying, I either go by myself or I dive with an idiot. That's my only options I've got. Those are the only two. So they, they choose right. to go by and, themselves. And you, and you get it because people have, have had They've so had many idiots. situations yeah. where, where they, they keep getting these idiot dive buddies right. that they get forced into partnering up with. And they go, well, you know, forget it. I'm just going to get a solo. Yeah. And, because and it's, it's easier. It's a false dichotomy. There's another option, right? Yes, yeah. and it takes training. It takes a little work. And some work. But, and somebody that can show you what team diving is. Yeah, and I, my my guess, too, would be that the work would have to be on both parts, not just the person wanting the buddy and wanting to, or wanting to go solo, but the, the buddy also that they're going to get. You know, both of them. Be, both of them have to. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 100% with you there. Yeah. Because if that's your mentality, I can only go solo or with an idiot. You're, you you might be looked on almost the same well, way that's a, that's as that not other what I person, say. right? <laughs> that's not what I say. I say I'm an idiot, so I need to go with somebody. Brando, <laughs> <laughs> Brando, let's go diving. I didn't even. That's another one. I guess I didn't. I didn't. That that one didn't even come to my mind. So there's four choices. Richard says, "I placed the mask back on my face, and cleared it, and looked into his eyes." 
and I saw absolute terror. Not till he yanked the octopus from my BC did it hit me that he was out of air. My first thought was that this guy was going to suck my tank dry and that I better get him to the surface fast. Now, they turned the dive at 1,700, 1,800 PSI. But they're still between, you know, 70 plus feet. Right. You know, they're, they're right. leaving 100. They're approaching 75. But they're still in relatively deep water, especially back in, you know, at the, you know, the, the early 2000s, late 90s era days when the, the, the prominent thinking was, hey, get ready to come up when we hit 500 PSI. Yeah. This is a, a, a very normal plan. <laughs> a, a, a very normal yeah yeah it's kind of like what i was saying at the beginning right it's like this was like so many dives that so many people regularly had let's just show up in the water swim around we get low on air we'll come up right and it, when you're in a hundred feet of water today we know that there's a critical volume of gas that you know that you have to have just for this case, and you don't even enter the dive at the beginning without knowing that number, knowing that rock, rock bottom, bottom calculation yeah. of, yeah, like it, it's like as long as I'm above this number, mm-hmm. there's nothing to worry about. We have all the time in the world to make that whole entire scent, do all the right. s- proper speed, all the safety stops, all the minimum decompression we would ever need to do, and we're good to go. But when you look at the thinking that back in the late 90s that was so prominent, and then even still there is a holdover today of people still have the thought of, well, my computer will beep if I get too low. Everything will be fine. And then you get to this big question mark in your head like he's having right here of like, oh, my God, I know I'm getting low. He's out of air. I got to be low. Shit, we better get to the surface fast. <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and this is not a good place to be, and it, oh. it's a, and very easily avoidable place to be too. Well, I'd agree, James. I'd agree. I looked down and saw that his bag was still caught on the lobster rope. Plus, the wreck line had tangled around our legs. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, teaching the classes where, you know, we we have them run a line in 20 or 30 feet of water. Just just I want you to anchor your line. You tell them where to anchor the line at. And then I want you to swim and give them a heading, swim in that direction for 100 feet. Right. Whatever. And they think it's crazy that they could get tangled up within within that little that little task and just swim in one direction. Not, you know, nothing complex. They think it's crazy. But here you go. <laughs> these two guys. It, it usually takes 100 inches, not 100 right. feet. Right. All you have to do is distract somebody with the reel for a minute, okay? Just distract them. Not even a minute. A couple 10, 15 seconds, which everybody thinks is a long, is a uh, quick time underwater. And it's a, when you've got that reel and... You haven't got your finger to hold the line or you haven't screwed the thumb screw down to tighten it and so it doesn't go all over the place. Um, that line just starts going. And the next thing you know, you turn around and you're in it. You, you turn around and your fins are in it. And it's caught on a buckle. Yeah, especially, especially the, yeah. Plastic snap buckles and all that other bullshit and all the dingly dangly bullshit you got hanging off and the snorkel. Yeah, and especially back in, in like, nobody yeah. cared about trim no. being horizontal in the water back in 1999 right in 2023 Actually, uh, the people are still uh, are, are just getting aware of it and if you can't hold hold horizontal trim and you're running a line i oh. mean this is not a far-fetched story no and, and and streamlining you know it was more it was more uh i don't want to say macho but you looked cooler if you had a bunch of shit hanging off of you you know lights knives uh, the fucking um, glow sticks, uh, dangly goddamn cable, the cable. That's a sketch. That's a sketch slates. Yeah. Don't forget the retractable cable. Slates. Oh, yeah, the slates. How about the tank banger? I just keep it hanging off the back of my tank. I just reach back there somehow. I'll grab one. Bam, bam. Um, 
whistles spare hanging air. off. They spare air. Yeah, spare. Tucked, uh, spare air tucked <laughs> along the tank strap just in case. It's not even tucked. It's just dangling. It's clipped off and dangling. But the, and the oh, whistle. Oh, because it had that telephone cord connected to the mouthpiece. Boom. Don't forget that. I forgot the old uh, elastic telephone sna- the, cord. Coily snap, cord. Snappy coil yeah. telephone cords. Holding on to your uh, camera. Holding on to your light. Holding on to your backup light. Holding on to your spare air. Right. And, okay, you've got that. You've got uh, a fucking tank valve cap off your back. You've got that stupid ass whistle hanging off of your your inflator. <laughs> how the how the hell did we survive the nineties scuba diving? Like, what the hell? Here, tie tie something else off on you. Start using the the suicide clips too, because they they just clip right on. Bam, bam. So it wasn't a far fetched idea. As a matter of fact. I think the far-fetched idea was you weren't going to get tied up and all fucked around with the line if you dared to pull out a reel. I dare you to pull that reel out and get going. Well, you know, there, there is always a, sa- a fail-safe when, when you're getting tangled up in line. Well, yeah, yeah. Pull out one of your um, seven <laughs> cutting devices you have strategically strapped on your body. At various locations, being I've got a thirteen, I've got a thirteen-inch Bowie knife on my on my leg. <laughs> Your inner calf—that was the the thing to have. Actually, if you were doing a la James Bond, it was on the exterior calf. It was on the lateral calf, not the medial calf. So, yeah, you got to have the big fucking. How many of those eight-inch knives do you have? Those fucking. They're not even eight inch blade. Well, uh, the eight inch one I had on the shoulder strap of my BCD. <laughs> Whoa! The thirteen inch I had on my leg. I want to tell you where I had my thirteen. I had a six. I had a six, <laughs> six, six, six inch in my pocket. Yeah. I had a I had a Z knife razor blade. I had the trauma shears. I still keep a, a trauma shears occasionally, depending on the dive. Yeah, you know, depending on the dive, I yeah. like, I like Put tuck them in, in my, my pocket. pocket. Yeah, in my uh, notes, my wet notes. Well, Brando, you hit it right on the head. I did. Richard says. I took out my dive knife and started cutting away. My friend appeared below us and grabbed at the wreck line to untangle us, not realizing that his partner was struggling for his life. And again, I'm going to come back to this is this is what I mean by like just having a buddy in the water is not creating an asset to you as a dive team. Agreed. Like, if you have somebody that's struggling for their life out of air, tangled up in line, and you swim along and, and don't even realize what's happening, like, you are not a teammate. You're not a buddy. You're not an asset. You are a solo diver that just happens to be swimming next to a couple other people. <laughs> yes. You might be a detriment, actually. You might be like a death trap swimming next to a couple other people. There yeah. is a point underwater easily where you go too many cooks in the kitchen. Like, oh, yeah, like yeah. somebody's got a. There's a point where you got to know when it's good to get in and when it's good to better to back off a little bit. Right, right. Once we were free, I grabbed the guy's BC and started toward the surface. Now, uh, it dawned on me, Brando, that we were coming up too fast. So I dumped the air out of my BC. <laughs> okay. Dump now, it all out. Now, this did no good because the guy also had air in his BC. And before I knew it, we had reached the surface. He immediately threw the regulator out of his mouth and started coughing up water. Moments later, my friend surfaced. The distressed diver dropped his weight belt and we swam back to the boat. After climbing aboard, we discussed what happened. <laughs> so so that's it all that they that's just it. pop up and that's hey we'll let's discuss what happened <laughs> really this is almost a bad thing this is almost a bad thing that nothing nothing appears to have happened because that's the new bar right that's the new normal that's okay it's okay yeah i i, I hear what, what I you're mean? saying like it, normal it, normalization of deviance right there in a way, yeah. you know, some, somebody having um, somebody dying is a, a good Ben's thing. hit <laughs> that they were able to recover from yeah. safely in the chamber because they had their Dan insurance and they, they, you know, they got to shore quickly and they had O2 on the boat would have been a better learning experience. Well, no, because then they're like, well, I had my Dan insurance, took care of everything. I'm cool. I can back. I'm back out diving. No, the best thing that could happen is someone dies. 
<laughs> from a learning standpoint, from a learning standpoint, I'm not saying that this person should have died. Unless, you know, this goes back to the age-old philosophical question, like if you could go back in time and kill Hitler, would you? What if that person was going to give birth somehow to the next Hitler? Then you'd, it was a good thing. You see what I'm going? See where I'm going? <laughs> I, I, I vaguely... <laughs> Vaguely see. Wait, wait, wait. Can you can you give me a swing of that mouthwash real quick? Yeah, I don't think you need it. I need, give me a couple swings of that mouthwash. What the hell you got in this thing? It smells like turpentine. No, I'm just saying, you know, if everything turns out okay, there's no ramifications. There's no consequences to your stupidity, to the stupid actions. Now your stupid actions become... Fine actions. They're the new bar. They're the new normalization of deviance right there. And even right. if you, you know, have Dan and you get the treatment and all that stuff, well, now I got Dan. I'm good. I can do this all the time because I got a, I got a cool insurance and, and I lived through it. So it's a big deal. And now this becomes, hey, yeah, well, this is why the three of us dove together so we wouldn't have any problems. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's the other but side. All I, all, oh. I, all I read, all yes. I hear when I read this is like, problem, 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 yeah. problem, problem, problem. And reinforcement near, near of Near death, near okay. death, near yeah. miss. Why? And this is one of the things we talk about when the, when the industry defends its practices by quoting statistics that the, st- the stats don't show this stupid shit. This is not in the stats. And this goes on way more often than you have a casualty. Way, way more often, because we see this all the time. Just right, this probably happens a thousand times every one more yeah. than the one casualty. I agree with you. Thank you. Thank you, goddammit. What do you drink? What kind of <laughs> fucking mouthwash do you drink? <laughs> My friend's buddy started getting water through his regulator. He thought, Brando, that his octopus would not work correctly as well. So he chose to go for mine instead. Now, I I guess as a new diver, inexperienced diver, I, I could see that thought crossing your mind and again this goes back to a lot of times you know we talk about the whole notion of scuba shouldn't be a weekend program it should be a longer interning based you know mentorship program that lasts you know weeks months years of of like building experience and not this notion that you can take one weekend class and learn what you need to know like it, it takes continual real life examples to really learn something like this takes experience yeah yeah he says he thought about giving me the out of air sign but thought that i might not understand what he meant well okay (laughs) this right here this is at the base also of the mainstream bullshit because he's right he's right i have given a low on air let's share air sign i wasn't I, I, no, it wasn't even low on air. I was a let's share air because I was having a free flow and I wanted to fix the free flow. And I just I, I wanted yeah, to yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, head let's off share any air. issues. Like, let's yeah, share. I'm, so not, I, I'm not yeah, out of air. Right. It's not an emergency. Let, so let's share I air did, for a minute. Uh, the little hand going back and forth at the regulator, right? Which is yeah. textbook. They just stared at me. <laughs> just stared at me. So I just took care of the free flow myself. Got it on, <laughs> on video and everything. And I was like... Got back up uh, and I said, "What happened there?" You, I was saying, "Let's share air." They didn't know what that meant, and this is a, this was a good diver, in the sense of, I mean, it was somebody you and I both know, and I've relied on him many times. He's very good in the water, um, and that that particular sign, especially you see it in open water, one hundred and one. It might. Well, I think it's on the test. Even to, and, you yeah, used to just once, though. I mean, just once. Now you see it once on a test because yeah. it's it's such a uncommon sign right. that it's. I mean, it's blown over pretty quickly. I mean, I would bet you, if we were to poll next time we're at the quarry, do you know what this means? I think you would be astounded. I, I can't be astounded anymore in life. There's nothing that will astound me at all. Ever. <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> Richard says, by the time I reached him, he was breathing nothing but water. 
and had almost blacked out. Whoa. So, I mean, it's a frightening situation. So you can understand that, like, you're sucking water, you're choking, mm-hmm. you're gagging, you're out of air. It's easy to understand, like, your brain could not be thinking clearly. And, wow. and like, you, you, you miss a sign, you're afraid to give a sign, you don't know what sign to do. Like, it's, you're, you're in panic. Yeah, obviously. And I think this is where we go into that overtrain. You have to train what the old instinct was, which is to panic when you're breathing in water and you're underwater, you have to train that out of you to the instinct needs to be, okay, go through my, my routine. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm having wet breaths. I'm breathing water in through my rag. I know I've got gas. I mean, wouldn't you go to your backup right away? Like what the fuck? Let me just check this out. I mean, that that's where it is, I think, to people that have been been trained properly. But if you all you've had is your your idea of mastery is you've shared gas a couple times in the pool, a couple times in your open water dives. Maybe maybe if you had a good advanced instructor, you might have done one. <laughs> right. Maybe it's not required. Yeah. but Maybe. Yeah. And uh, that's it. You've never done it again. And then let alone doing it all in a pool right. on the bottom. And right. now you're out in you know, six miles off than, the coast. Deeper than they've yeah. ever been. There's line everywhere. Uh, they're, they're near the bottom. They're breaking trim. So you know that they don't mention it here, but you know the visibility oh, yeah. is just going to shit. So it's going from you know 30 feet of vis to like inches of visibility. I hate to be like a, uh, a swimmist. Would that be right? A trimmist where I would just assume that they're like jackasses in the water and are just plowing through the water with their feet, just plowing through the bottom. They're like almost vertical. They're almost 90 degrees in the water. Go ahead, say it. Make <laughs> make trim great again. No, no, no. I ain't going there. <laughs> but uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying I have to assume that they're especially back in that day. I don't even think most people knew what trim was. So, yeah, you got to assume that they are freaking destroying the visibility and and you know, a few feet off the bottom and right. And, and then when you're and when you're kicking and struggling, you're working that hard, and the CO two is just pumping through your body, oh, and boy. every breath just seems like harder and harder. You're you're getting tangled up in line. You can't swim. You're overexerting yourself. The what do you expect to happen besides that panic, right? Right. Well, there's a lot of things feeding that snowball right then, you know. And all it took was a, the wet breaths, which can happen. You, you, you what? You, an exhaust valve folds on you. Uh, you got something in there. I mean, that could that could happen. That could happen the second dive after you picked your gear up from <laughs> from getting fully right. serviced. Right. Right. The, it yeah. could happen. You know. Uh huh. It could happen on a brand new, just yeah. purchased regulator. Tear your mouthpiece right at the where it joins onto the the second stage, and you'll start getting wet breaths. Now, Brando, on the surface, his gauge indicated. Are you ready for this? I'm listening. Over a thousand psi still in his tank. One thousand psi, <laughs> and his regulator. Somehow appeared to be working properly. <laughs> it's amazing. He fixed it. That's what he said. He fixed it. Oh, yeah, it just come up. Yeah, that'll be two hundred nineteen dollars for that. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, wait. So, so he was out of air. Or he wasn't out of air. Uh, he was. I'm, I'm confused. I'm confused. As as per the majority of the fatalities and incidents you see of quote-unquote out-of-air situations or scenarios, they have plenty of air, and everything seems to work just fine. So you're saying this is a an issue of total overall awareness underwater? I, I think it's a, an issue of a lot of things. I think it's an issue at the at the very baseline of the, of the person's diving education. They need to go back to the drawing board and and either get a new instructor or or you know reapproach diving from a different because obviously 
what just happened can't happen again. The re-education needs to be approached from the focus of uh, actually everything in the world can go wrong underwater, and we constantly (laughs) need to be practicing all the shit that can go wrong. Not this bullshit bubblegum story of buy the good gear, nothing bad's ever going to happen to you, and everything will beep, and it's wonderful, and it's comfy, and it comes in you know, neon pink and neon blue and neon yellow, and uh, everything you can easily be seen, and nothing bad will ever happen. Like That's the wrong way to prepare somebody for being underwater right analysis at the dive shop revealed that the regs first stage was not properly reassembled during the annual inspection they say the nut that connects the yoke to the first stage had become loose unseating an o-ring inside the first stage thus allowing water to enter and flood the system now i'm going to tell you that one of the most common regulator leaking bubbling problems that I've seen over all my years is the yoke nut coming loose because people, when they take the regulator mm-hmm. off, off the of tank. the tank between dives right. on the Twist single the tank, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't have all the pressure yeah. out of the regular. They purge it a little bit, but it still builds a pressure. And then they twist the first stage with their right hand as they're twisting the the knob with their left hand, and they actually spin that connection out. They extrude that O-ring. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, there is... If there's a thousand psi still in the bottle, there is so much goddamn air pressure in there. Yeah, that th- there's that no water getting in the first stage. There. There's no water getting in the first stage. What could have caused them to breathe wet could have been, I don't know, a million different other possibilities. Probably on a conservative count of the working too hard being overexerted, the tangled up in folded, the line, the, panicking. Folded have diaphragm, a, how, man. This folded fucking uh, exhaust valve. Right. Uh, the, the regulator yeah. getting pulled out of his mouth a little bit. You know, yeah. twisting your head and fighting. I mean, a yeah. million reasons why you could have gotten a little bit of water. Yep. And you don't panic with a little bit of water. You, you, well, A, you don't panic. but A, a you, you don't panic. panic. Right. Um, never gets you anywhere. I, mean, I think we've... Couple episodes we've been covering this panic shit, and um, it's easy to do. It's it, it's hard. I mean, it's easy to sit here for us and go, yeah, don't panic, don't panic. But you you have to train that out. You have to over. Well, there you go. But that's the thing. So why did he why did he panic? He didn't panic because he got water in his mouth. He panicked because he lost control in the water and he lost mm-hmm. confidence in himself as a diver. Oh, because he started out. getting water yeah. and he started and it took over his brain. So I mean, yeah. so why did he lose that confidence? Is because he didn't have control of his buoyancy. He didn't have awareness of where his teammates and all of his resources were. And if he had all of that, none of this was trained into him though, James. Correct, exactly, where I'm going. Yeah, all of the the things we talk about, and and when you start training that or start putting that into your diving, you'll you'll look at the story as well and go, how did that happen? How how does something like that happen? Well, you have to think back of before you had that training where all you did was cross your fingers and hope and pray nothing bad happened. (laughs) You know? Right. I mean, this is why people, I mean, people have been giving you and I a hard time for 20 years saying, well, not everybody needs to be a technical diver. And we've been yeah. saying for two decades, Agreed. this has nothing to do no. about technical diving. This has nothing to do with that, technical diving. I think this has to do with scuba diving. I think what you just said is it points to a even a, another big problem in the industry is being a competent diver is viewed as being the ultra far end of a spectrum in the into tech range that and i would argue the point again just like i think you would it has nothing to do with being a tech diver tech diving nothing right diving is just having all those skills taken to the nth degree now just diving being a competent diver period requires all of those skills just not to the nth degree that tech diving does same skill absolutely right yeah same skills buoyancy awareness Trim, propulsion techniques. So, you know, you need those basic tools in your toolbox as an open water diver. 
is a fucking 60 foot of water, open water diver. You need all of those in your toolbox. You need to. And that's what this story is, is, yeah. is it's a recreational single tank, no decompression limit dive. Right. By, a, by someone who has no business at that depth, obviously. If it were not for my training and experience, Brandon, <laughs> I most likely would have panicked and the two of us would have drowned. God damn it. Thank God I'm so good. I learned a very valuable lesson, Richard says. Well, Recreational right. diving is serious business. Well, I, that's about all that I agree with with this this story. <laughs> right, it's what it's what you were just saying, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not about deep diving. It's not about technical diving. It's it's about diving. And and when can we get to the realization as a community that diving is not a hokey pokey bullshit? Dip it, dunk it, do it because you're on a cruise ship. We cannot continue on letting that be the standard that sets the base for everything that we do in this community. Yeah. Well, again, we keep going. That's what's been going on. And we talk about why why it's been going on almost entirely fueled and, and driven by greed by an industry just trying to make money. And we, we understand that. I get all that. I just think you could do it better. I think you can make more money even and, and make everybody come home alive or at least many more, the most you could possibly get home alive with a little bit of competency, right? Yeah, I, and I would agree with you. And I think for the longest time, everything was given to the diving community from the top down. But in 2023, it you know, it's seagrass roots up. Like yeah. We as the community need to demand that, no, we, we want better education and are, are willing to spend the time to get it, spend the money to get it. And we don't want this, you know, pansy, quick little, like everybody can do it for as cheap as possible model anymore. Right. And I think it's it's becoming more and more apparent to the average Joe Diver, especially the average Joe Diver just coming out of a, the average Joe Diver class when they go and they're, they are diving with what I would consider competent divers. They, they can see the difference. Then if they listen to these stories and they go, well, this guy sounds like me. <laughs> this sounds like the training oh, I've received, right? Right. <laughs> they they right. realize I, well, they're missing I, something. I, I, well, what do you do wrong? I would have done the same thing. Exactly. Oh, shit. That, that went really bad. <laughs> It did, yeah, and 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 I hope, especially the, I think the majority of our audience are, um, you know, recreational. I don't want to say all newer divers. I think they're we have a wide range of listeners, of course, but we have a good portion that are newer divers just getting into diving. They've caught the bug, they love it, so they're out there looking for for information. They're looking for information, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they start listening to us, and they're. They can tell we have probably a different take than the vast majority of podcasts. That's because we're not sitting them in a high chair and force feeding them spoonfuls <laughs> of sweet sugary cereal. <laughs> um, yeah, that, and I mean, we don't take money from anybody really that's involved in the diving community, uh, as far as that could possibly influence the way we're going to. Uh, tell our story and tell what we have to tell no so we just want uh we just take money from the people that tell everybody they should shave their balls balls. and what's uh, wrong with that (laughs) and uh and your chesticles and i I I mean how have you been i i get messages i just got one last week uh uh, hey i'm gonna i want to send you this so you can talk nope sorry i can't do it i know we get them we get them all the time like yeah yeah i'm not yeah, we're we're not getting bought out by the industry. We're not selling out to the man, motherfuckers. I have a thing against the man. I have a big <laughs> hard on for the man. I want to nail the motherfucker. No, no, no. I'm old. But if you're not the but if you're not the man, you want to send a hundred thousand dollar donation. Please send it to the man. You want to send it to podcast anonymous over a PayPal. Yeah. An anonymous donation from somebody who's not the man will be accepted. No, we've said this even for for like the people we we the gear we use and and the people the people we teach for we don't even 
do anything for. No, I right? listen for for over three hundred episodes. Believe me, there's been many times I would have loved to get on here and just gloat about the gear right. that I specifically use. But we've specifically done it because we don't want that to be what this is about. Right. Exactly. So it's basically try to stay honest, try to tell our story, and uh, show the industry you can do better. Things can go wrong, Richard says. And equipment can malfunction. So you must try to prepare yourself for emergency situations. A few rules should always be followed when diving. Review hand signals before entering the water. Never dive without proper training. And use a redundant air supply when diving deep. And although, yes, they're kind of important, but he really misses the point here, right? Way misses the point, yes. Because none of that was really at the root of this of the whole incident. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> right. It wasn't, fuck, I forgot the danger sign. Right. I didn't do danger. Right. No wonder we got in trouble, right? So, I mean, you're not, you can't review every single goddamn hand signal that could possibly be given. That's not the point of being a properly trained uh-huh. diver, that you know every single hand signal by, by memory. That's not the sign. <laughs> Agreed, 1,000%. Agreed. Never dive without proper training. It's He's got a point there, but it's not that we were doing a deep dive without deep training. No. It's that we didn't have the basic fundamentals of a good diver getting into the water. There you go. There you go. And we were, we were given a card without basic buoyancy control mastery and just told, go learn it on your own. Or if you've got an extra $295 on a weekend... You know, you you can learn that too. And you never had mastery of the so-called essential skills from your regular open water one hundred and one class that you were you were told you had mastery of. Again, the, we cu- keep using this fucking word mastery throughout the the goddamn instructor manual, and almost every time there's no mastery. That is not what he did was not mastery. Well, look at the airshare. <laughs> was that I mean. airshare mastery? There is no I mean, mastery. There, there you there. go. <laughs> no, man. You, that was a total fuck up of an airshare. You can't have mastery in open water 101 unless you take some time, unless you put them. Mastery means when it, something happens, you know how to do it. Your mask gets kicked off, you know how to put a new one on and pick it up whenever it happens. Not like, oh, well, I was kneeling. <laughs> On a, on a platform, I was kneeling on a pool bottom. He asked me for my mask. I put it back on. Blah, blah, blah. That's he not sent me an happen. email yesterday, <laughs> told me it was going to happen. Shook my hand, gave me a high five. He said, great job. Now, in real life, yeah, the person flails at you, takes your snorkel and mask with his hands. It's a little different. So, And then lastly, Brandon, he says, use a redundant air supply when diving deep. And uh, he misses the point there because the guy wasn't even out of air. (laughs) 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 And And the delivery of the redundant air source worked perfectly fine. It was the breaking trim, kicking their asses off, popping to the surface uncontrollably, not having control of their buoyancy, not being aware where they were in the water. I mean, that's all the problems. Yeah. The air was was not even an issue. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, your partner was another redundant supply too. So yeah, a lack of redundant air supply not even to be considered there. You're right. So the the the, the underlying problems are way deeper. I I get what he's saying on those three. And uh if I if I go back to the timeline of late nineties, I, I can see his perspective uh from what if I go what, back to when I've, I was I've, uneducated, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'm uh, sorry. But, that was bad. That was mean. It was mean spirited, but funny. Well, hey, listen, that's what we do. We are uh we we try to be funny, we try to be humorous, although a lot of times we get some some hate mail and some bad <laughs> reviews because of uh, our our crass humor. But listen, like, what everybody. are you going to do? You're, you're going to keep reading the same stories again and just go, yeah, you, uh, you should have had a buddy and you should have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, known, you should have known all the 37 hand signals by memory. And uh, maybe that person saying that should go diving with those clowns. <laughs> I, 
I don't know what else to say to that. I mean, I, at the end of the day, that's that's when you take take a criticism for the criticism we're giving this. I say, well, it sounds like you you'd fit right in. Yes, with you know Bozo and Oopsie and you. There you go. Make make sure uh, <laughs> my make circus. sure you leave your uh, make sure you leave your email so somebody <laughs> can take a class from you. And uh, if you'd rather listen to like our perspective, that's great too. Yeah. There's lots of other shows you can listen to if you don't like our style. We oh, yeah, thank yeah. all of you who do Absolutely. dig what we're saying. So there you go. Hey, shout out to all the listeners of the Great Time Podcast, and shout out to you, Brandon. This was a fun episode, as always. Have and, we had a uh, not fun episode. We've had some. Nah, it's, uh, uh, we, we've had a, we've had a couple that we that were a little more work than others, but I think they've all been really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Always once we get I mean, into come it, on. once we get going after like three hundred. I mean, dude, come on, everybody. After three hundred, they can't all be zingers. No, no, <laughs> you gotta throw. <laughs> you have to space them out. Otherwise, people, if they were all zingers, people get bored with the zingers. So, all right, everybody, uh, Brando. Yeah, James. You want to sign logbooks? Uh, sure, sure. Sign away, sign away, old Isle of Shoals, Jamesy. Brando. Before the dive, a little dab of whiskey, <laughs> little little swig of whiskey, and, nice. a, and a shot to wash it down. Nice. And that, that'll take care of that cold air going over your tooth. Perfect. Uh, hey, Jamesy, what's the hand sign for the? Let's go over the hand sign for that whiskey. <laughs> is it? Wait, is, wait. It, is it this? Is it this? <laughs> no, that's for something else. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, what is this? Was it, uh, oh, never mind. Never mind. Never mind, everybody. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>